Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. So, I thought it was appropriate that for today's podcast, I would share with you a bourbon from Louisville, Kentucky called Cave Hill's Rabbit Hole. (laughs) It's a Kentucky straight bourbon. It's got a lot of corn in it. It's like 70% corn. Just poured some of it. I've not had this yet. It apparently won the San Francisco World Spirits Competition gold. I mean, I've got pretty high expectations. It's 95 proof. And the mash bill is 70% corn. I don't remember eating corn. Uh, Movie reference. It's 10% malted wheat and 10% malted barley. 10% honey malted barley. Don't even know what that is. Folks say it's good. We'll see if it's good. I realize that. Good is a relative term. (laughs) I wish it weren't. You know, when it comes to certain standards, then it's not. But when it comes to bourbon, good is a relative term. It's all about the palate of the individual. And we'll see. Let's see what it smells like. Oh, wow. How the heck can I pick that up? I haven't even had strawberries today. I picked up strawberries, fresh strawberries when I'm smelling that. I'm not sure if I want my bourbon to smell like fresh strawberries. Let's see. What else can I pick up? It's kind of a light, uh, really light smell. You know, for a 95 proof, 70% corn, I would have thought it would have smelled a little bit different than that. And then maybe there's a little apple in there. Strawberries and apple. Wow. Nah, it's like I'm getting ready to have an apple daiquiri or a strawberry daiquiri. You can hear there's one crystal clear ice cube in there. Like I, I just, I like to drink it before the ice melts, but I do like my bourbon cold. Hmm. Hmm. It hits like it's 95 proof. For me, something that's a little 90 proof and above, I do like high proof bourbon a lot because after that alcohol hug happens, they tend to be a little more complex, at least to my palate. It's 95, so it's right at the beginning of high proof in my mind, and um, that kind of that alcohol sort of burns off. It leaves a it leaves us a little bit of a hint of strawberry and I don't know what else, something else. Maybe 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 orange. Maybe there's a little bit of a hint of orange in there or something like that. I don't know. But it's bourbon, so it's mostly bourbon tasting. <laughs> Let's not get too fancy about this. We could talk about this rabbit hole forever. It ended up going down a rabbit hole. I'm having, this might not be a surprise, I don't know how many podcasts I've recorded with this as my cigar of choice. It's the Drew Estates Fat Bottom Betty. It's the... Uh, Deadwood Tobacco Company brand, which is a sub-brand of the Drew Estates. A really good cigar. It's uh, I think I did a nice, thorough, rambling review of it in one of our other podcasts, and I don't know what order these are going to drop in, so you might have to wait a few weeks to hear the review, or it may have already happened in the past. We'll see. It is a wonderful, sunny Sunday afternoon when I'm recording this, and in just about... Um, two hours. I'll be back at my house and away from the sound booth and I'll be sitting down and enjoying my three grandsons and my daughter 
and her husband and my son and his wife. It is so fun. Sunday nights are so good around my house. And not everyone can show up all the time because you know how life gets complicated sometimes. But most of the time, we're all here together. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll probably break out another couple of these and share them with my with my son-in-law and my son, who both enjoy these cigars a lot. Great people. Oh, I couldn't be more blessed. I couldn't have designed a better daughter-in-law for my son or a better son-in-law for my daughter. And they've given me beautiful grandkids too. So you gotta love that. Anyway, talk about a rabbit hole. I just went down a rabbit hole there. This is a great cigar. Mm-mm. If you were here, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm, I'd give you one. I like a V-cut on it because it holds the cap together pretty well. Nice dark Maduro cigar, Connecticut Maduro wrapper, and um, different kinds of uh, Nicaraguan tobacco on the inside sourced from a couple of different Nicaraguan plantations. It's about five five inch cigar, so I'm not quite in the Mafia Dawn look when I've got this cigar up to my lips, but close enough. And uh, 50 ring gauge, so about the size of my thumb on my right hand. All right, hey, let's get on with it. Let's get, I keep, I'm just going down a rabbit hole here. Maybe it's the rabbit hole bourbon. It's just making me just kind of wander down a hole. But I picked rabbit hole. I wanted to try it. I wanted to share the idea of the bourbon with you. It's better. It's, yeah, the third sip, it's better. It's, it's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know if it's San Francisco World Spirits Competition gold medal good, but uh, pretty good. I But I picked rabbit hole because of the name. And, and I want to, I want to talk with you about the art of complaining. Complaining is a very common thing that happens in high change or no change work environments where things are changing a lot or they don't change at all. (laughs) And then there's all that stuff in the middle where we're not changing the right stuff according to Biff over there in the corner or Fat Bottom Betty in the other corner. We're not changing the right stuff and so there's a lot of complaining that goes on. You know, complaining when you listen to it, when people come up and complain and you can tell they're going to because the shoulders droop a little bit and their face gets a little bit longer, almost like a Disney character and, and they take a long breath like they're going to speak for minutes at a time without inhaling, which may actually happen. And they say, have you got a minute? (sighs) That's a type of complainer. And if you've been around people who complain a lot, you find that you don't have a lot of time or patience for folks who complain. And they can be very, very frustrating. And in fact, let's turn this around and look at it from the other angle. Maybe you are a person who complains. Maybe you're a person who's actually been labeled as a complainer. You've been labeled as somebody who's a negative Ned or a negative Nancy, because your first response is always no. Your first response is, no, I don't see how that's ever going to work. And maybe your voice starts sounding a little bit like Eeyore. Let me share with you a couple of ideas from both angles. That is the angle of the person listening to the complaint, which is usually someone who hopefully can do something about it, but maybe not always. And then the person who is complaining. Let's look first from the angle of the person listening to the complaint and share with you a few ideas. And I'm just going to get right into it for you, okay? You're probably out walking in the woods listening to this or driving somewhere or maybe you're sitting down at the breakfast table and it's quiet for a change and you thought, I think I'll just catch a catch a, a podcast and you stumbled across this one. So let's just get right to it. Let's use your time wisely. When it comes to the art of complaining, let's remember this idea, it's counterintuitive right out of the gate that complaining is a sign of commitment. Now there is a big difference in my mind between whining and venting and complaining. 
A person who whines, almost like those characters back in the day on Saturday Night Live, the whiner family, has no interest in changing things. They just want to be let off the hook. They want to be able to say, I told you so. And so they whine. They complain without a solution. And whenever solutions are recommended, they don't want to have anything to do with it. And if, if it's recommended with intensity, they will complain about the solution as well. That's called a whiner. They are in a big loop and their whole personality does that so that they can be let off the hook of accountability. A venter, someone who vents a lot, is someone who really feels like that they're super frustrated about something and if they don't let off steam that it's unhealthy for them of course there's no research behind that whatsoever we all know that people who vent are merely rehearsing i've talked about that in other podcasts and i've talked about it in our hilt academy youtube channel h-i-l-t High Impact Leadership Training, it's an, and the Hilt Academy is actually another company that we have that is all about leadership training online and in, in distance learning. And so we have a paid site, the hiltacademy.thinkific.com. You can find courses there that you can buy. And then the free side, which is on YouTube, Hilt Academy YouTube. And on that side, we've talked quite a bit about the destructive effect of venting. Venting is merely rehearsing. We tend to curate our audience so that they don't challenge what we're venting about. Venting does nothing to solve the problem. It actually makes it worse. All right. But then there's complaining. Complaining, although it can sound a little bit like like venting and it can sound a little bit like whining. If you really listen to it and really get into it, the person who's complaining is highly committed to solving the problem. And they've tried and tried and tried and they are complaining because they want it fixed. And that it's difficult for that kind of person to complain. Compared to the whiner, it's not difficult to whine. Compared to the one who vents, it's very easy to vent because the purpose of those is to rehearse or to get let off the hook. But complaining is a sign of commitment. I want something done and I I'll be happy to jump in and try to fix it if you'll just let me, all right? It's a sign of commitment. Therefore, it's not easy to do. Complaining is an important function that we have in the workplace, but we have to do it correctly. And when someone, now again, remember, we're on the side of the person listening to the complaint listening to the person who's complaining. Remember this, that it's a sign of commitment. Remember this, listen very carefully when someone is complaining. Because we rarely, at first, when we are complaining to you, we rarely complain about what the real problem is. Maybe we complain about a symptom of the problem, so we're not really sure what the problem is. Or we're complaining about something that we know will actually get your attention so that we can talk about the underlying problem. So listen very carefully. If the person is complaining about something, if they're complaining, for example, about being overworked, are they truly overworked or are they bored or are they spending their time and their energy on things that they feel like are insignificant and not making a difference or not making an impact? If they're complaining about being hungry, for example, here's a simple idea. Are they actually hungry or are they bored? If somebody is complaining about being tired, here's another simple example. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Give them water to drink, right? Now, these are simple illustrations because if we're tired, it's usually because we're thirsty. I'm just trying to illustrate the point. When someone says they are underpaid, maybe they're not really complaining about that. Maybe they're complaining about something else. When they complain about anything, understand that there's probably something behind it or under it that is the actual complaint. So there we go. Point number one, complaining is a sign of commitment. Point number two, listen carefully when someone complains because what they present as the complaint is usually not the actual problem. Here's point number three. We have done quite a bit of research to find out over the years what employees tend to complain about. And this is fair 
fairly current. There are 10 things that employees tend to complain about. This is in for-profit and not-for-profit organizations. I'll go through these quite quickly so you don't complain (laughs) that this podcast is taking too long. But before I do that, I'm going to take another sip of rabbit hole. Mm. You know, it's getting better. Hmm, that's a surprise. It's getting better. It was given to me, so I have no idea what it actually costs. And usually I like to enjoy a bourbon and sip it and enjoy it and evaluate it before I find out what it costs. Uh, Because you know what it is. You know, if someone gives you an ibuprofen and it's generic, it won't work as well as if they give you one with a price tag on it and it was $11. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Ah, I love that kind of stuff. All right. Okay, here we are. Here's the 10 things that folks complain about in the workplace. Number one, lack of communication. Not, Not lack of agreement, but lack of communication. And the kind of communication they complain about that's missing is the close the loop kind of communication. We're pretty good at telling some people things in the workplace the first time, but we're not good at following up and closing the loop. Here's the second one. They complain a lot about what seems to them to be unfair pay. Number three, they complain about no job security. They they walk around feeling like if they make a misstep, they're going to be fired. The fourth thing they complain about is underappreciation. And more specifically, folks like you, or like me, who are leaders and managers and supervisors and influencers within our organization, don't appreciate how hard that is for them to do or how easy that other thing is for them to do. We don't appreciate, as in truly get up close and understand what they're actually doing. Here's the fifth thing. They complain about favoritism, and favoritism is usually based upon personality. Number six, they complain about being overworked. Remember what we mentioned earlier? If someone complains about being overworked, they're probably complaining that the work they're doing is is insignificant or wasted. The seventh thing they complain about is micromanagement. That is when things don't go your way, you or I as a leader step in and tell them what to do. We take away their autonomy and we tell them, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. And it makes people crazy after a short period of time. The eighth thing they complain about is incompetence. In high change and high innovation organizations where there is a a lot at risk, I find that this is at the top of the list incompetence. That is, we tend to keep people around who are dolts. They don't know what they're doing and they are shuffling papers and hanging onto their red stapler. For years, we keep them around. Incompetence. That's a big complaint. Number nine, they complain there's no advancement. Or if there is, they don't know how to get there. They don't know how to get better. They don't know how to advance their skills. They don't know how to advance their status. They don't know how to advance their challenges or their compensation. They feel like they're stuck. Or if there is some concept of advancement. It is so far out of their reach that they don't know how to actually get there. So no advancement. And here's the 10th complaint. I don't know if this is the 10th in order, but this is kind of how we've listed them here for you. They complain about a bad supervisor. Wow. A bad supervisor. Well, why is the supervisor bad? Because they micromanage or they're incompetent uh, or they are, or they uh, have favoritism or they don't appreciate. You see the bad, the bad supervisor or the bad boss does all of those things above. (laughs) Rewind and listen to the list. Because if someone thinks you are a bad supervisor, it's because you're doing many of those things on the list above. All right. Those are the things that people actually complain about. Now there's another breed of people within the organization (laughs) that have a 11th thing they complain about. And just between you and me, they complain because there's nothing to complain about. (laughs) I think I mean that. Not really sure. Not really sure. Okay, now let's go back to the other side of the transaction. 
And maybe that's you, this other side of the transaction. Maybe you're the one who's doing the complaining and you feel like you've been labeled as the complainer, the negative Ned, the no Nancy, the person who always says, yeah, but, and throws a wet blanket on any new idea that's out there. You don't really like being labeled as that kind of person, but that's the reputation you've got. And so whenever you walk into a room or join a Zoom call or join a meeting or join a conversation, everyone's a little tense because they know it won't be long till you suck air and throw a toxic waste dump of negativity on their idea. Uh, So what they do is they just don't bring up new ideas when you're around. Uh, Or they develop the ideas and then they don't share them until they're so well developed and committed to, then they'll share them with you like, sorry, too late. Wish we'd known that earlier. (laughs) Ugh, yick, you don't want to You don't want to do that. All right, so remember, for you, if you're the one who's doing the complaining, not whining, not venting, complaining, if this is you, remember, this is actually a sign of commitment. Lead with commitment, therefore. Since it's a sign of commitment, since it is hard to complain, and it does bother you to have to be complaining about something, lead with commitment. Say you're committed. I am very committed to, and then lay it out. I'm committed to our growth. I'm committed to our success. I'm committed to our mission. Zoom in. I'm committed to your individual success. I'm committed to making ideas work. I'm committing to being loyal to our brand. I'm committed to our mission. Say that. Say it up front because people don't think you are. They think you're just a whiner and a complainer. They think you're just a negative person who doesn't like change. All right. So say you're committed. Lead with commitment and lead with this phrase, something positive. Say, yes. Okay. If if an idea is being recommended and you want to scream no, no, no to it, don't scream no. Start with yes. Yes. That is an idea well worth considering. Follow with a question. If we were to do that, how could we do that in such a way that it doesn't threaten this over here or doesn't waste that over there or doesn't sink this ship over here? There, like that. That's how you complain and get creative and listen very carefully. And we have said, you would say this, we have said that A is important and B is important. We've invested time, energy, money, reputation in A and B. How can we do this new thing, C, without threatening A and B? And then sit back and listen and be open to how we can actually do it. Okay? This is a very, very important approach. Never open your mouth, suck air, and blow out the toxic waste of negativity with your first breath. People will turn you off. Your voice will become much like the sound of a tennis shoe in a dryer. (laughs) They won't listen to you. So there is an art to complaining without becoming labeled as a whiner. All right. Then when you have a specific complaint, that's not just in light of a new idea that's being popped up. It's a specific complaint. Before you complain, ask the question, what problem am I trying to solve? Hark back to what I said a few minutes ago. The problem you feel like is there may not be the actual problem. There might be a problem behind it that created that problem. So start with number one, what problem am I trying to solve or that I want solved? Number two, ask this question. If that problem is solved, then what? Number three, make sure when you get ready to complain, you do so to the right person. How do you know if it's the right person? Well, they have the authority to make a decision. If you don't know that, well, then ask who's the right person. Do not complain to the wrong people. That's what builds your reputation as negative Ned or no Nancy. Here's the next idea. Make sure when you've found the right person, you've found what problem you're wanting to solve, you've thought if then, if it's solved, then what, and you've found the right person, make sure it is the right 
time. Is now a good time to talk about this? You probably don't want to say, is now a good time for me to complain and ruin your freaking happy day? You probably don't want to say it like that. You probably want to say, hey, I'd like to talk with you about this and a solution that I have for it. Is now a, a good time? If not, when is a good time? Okay, that is really respectful. And you'll get a much better response if you do that. Here's the next idea. And that is, when you do come to me to complain, complain with the right perspective. Here's the right perspective. This is just a problem to solve. It's not going to end the world if we don't do it exactly my way. It's not going to be the worst thing that ever happened. It, it is not an insurmountable problem. We can solve this. So complain with that perspective. I know it's complicated. I know it's difficult, but I really think we can solve this. We can figure this out. If you have that perspective, I welcome you your complaints. I will go out and ask for them if you have that perspective. That is a really big deal. We can solve this. We can solve this. If in your mind you're stuck in the loop, we'll never solve this, then you're not going to be able to get any kind of credibility with me when you come to complain. All right? Here's the last idea. Make sure you complain with the right context. If you don't have the history about how we got here and who sacrificed to get us here and how much this thing you're complaining about matters to me and to other people that you're interacting with, you're not complaining in the right context. Do you understand the sea in which this problem lives? Remember, I think it was Sun Tzu who said, we can never understand a problem unless we understand the sea in which it lives, the age in which it lives, the context in which it lives, All right? So make sure you get that before you come to me to complain. And so complaining correctly is a wonderful thing. People who complain like this change the world. It's a beautiful thing. There's an art to doing it. You want me to welcome you in as a partner in solving complex problems. I really like having those kind of people around me. And that makes all the difference. And of course, the last idea, make sure you are willing to carry the water. Make sure you're willing to lift some of the heavy objects that it's going to take to bring about this solution. Do not ever just back up the truck of your well-crafted, artful complaint, leave it at my door like some late-night Amazon delivery, and dart away, and then tell me it's been delivered. That's not going to be effective at all. That's not helpful in any way. Come prepared to help implement this solution. You may not be able to. It might be not the right time time for you. You might not be the right person, but that's rarely the case. Most of the time, you're going to be able to be involved in the solution. Otherwise, if we don't think of complaints this way, from the side of the person receiving the complaint who can do something about it, and from the side of the person offering the complaint who's committed to a solution, we will just be whining we will be complaining without a solution. We'll be venting. We will take one another down a rabbit hole. <laughs> See how I did that? Rabbit hole. Huh. We'll take one another down a rabbit hole. We'll waste time. You'll end up with a reputation as somebody who was a whiner, somebody not worth listening to. And then I'll end up with a reputation of somebody who doesn't listen and doesn't want to innovate and doesn't really want things to be better. Well, there you have it. Okay, there's 25 minutes of your life you're never going to get back. <laughs> but I hope it was really helpful for you. Enjoy this. Share this with some folks who have a hard time complaining or listening to complaints. Or better yet, put it on speakerphone and play it with your small team next time you have a team meeting. And notice who looks at whom at what points in the podcast. <laughs> Just for fun. Oh, Speaking of fun, I'm going to finish this artfully named Fat Bottom B.
Betty cigar from Deadwood Tobacco Company. And I finished the rest of this drink I poured. It was only like uh, three quarters of a shot because I wasn't sure it's was going to be any good. Called Rabbit Hole by Cave Hill. One more time. Let me give it a sip. See if I still like it. Yep. Pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty good. You know what? Let's find out now that I've tasted it. Let's find out how much it costs. I am going to do the Google right here and find out what it costs. All right. Oh, okay. Well, the manufacturer's suggested retail price in 2021, and we're now in 2022, is $60. Now, I live in the state of Washington, out on the Puget Sound, out on the Olympic Peninsula side of the Puget Sound. And so we in the state of Washington have a very weird tax rate. So I'll bet that would make this about $78 or $80 for this bottle. Kind of a lightly colored bourbon. It's not all that dark. They say the color on this is dark gold. No, it's not. It's like weak Lipton tea, but it's pretty good. So it's probably about a $75 to $80 bottle by the time you get out the door. Is it worth it? I think you can get a lot better bourbon for that or a little bit less than that. But hey, I appreciate the gift very much. I'm not going to look a gift rabbit in the mouth. Did I just say that? Did he say that? He said it. Ha! Hey, you're doing good work. Keep it up. Talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.